You're listening to The Heart of It Podcast. My name is Sam Smeltzer, and I'm an HR intuitive and healer. In this podcast, we'll chat about what the industry of human resources can make possible for people and our organizations. In each episode, we'll have raw conversation around inner development and organizational culture change to create a working world where both people and organizations thrive. Thank you for listening. Now let's get this episode started. Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the Heart of It podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as we wrap up Chapter Chats. Yes, this is the official wrap-up episode of the Chapter Chats, our first ever summer reading book club on the podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed our journey through the slight edge, the law of divine compensation, and as we conclude with Untamed. So it's been been a lot of fun so I'm so glad that you're here you know I always feel like it is absolutely necessary to take a moment and appreciate that intro and also the outro so if you listen to that track because I dropped the entire track at the end so that you can really jam to it and have a little mini dance break but that is all courtesy of my little brother my brother Alex Krigbaum DJ or, yeah, DJ A-Bomb, Craigster on Twitch. Um, he was nice enough to put that together for his sister. And so many people always make comments on the intro track. Um, sometimes I think there's people who don't even listen to my episode. They merely just listen to my brother's track and then turn it off, which is cool. That's absolutely fine because his track is absolutely awesome. So thank you, Alex, if you are listening for creating me an awesome, awesome intro. All right, so um, this episode is going to be interesting. It's not surprising to me as the dialogue with Untamed has kind of gone deeper and deeper and caused me to be more vulnerable in different ways with you on this podcast And I don't think today is going to be really any different as we conclude this book. Um, There's just some stuff that came up that I think is important for me to share. And uh, and I'll talk about that when I get there. Um, It should be no surprise that I enjoyed the last 70 pages of Untamed. She unpacked things, um, and this this was, you know, it, it's a beautiful writing form because she takes us deep down into the weaves, weeds, and then she started bringing us back out, and the chapters are a little bit lighter, but still deep, and they still touch someplace. I will say that when it was over, I felt unsettled, um, and I don't know why that is it could be because I was still seeping in the content from the chapters that I'm going to share with you that I hadn't fully caught up to the end of the book um but yeah so that's the words that I would use is that I felt unsettled unsettled 
is the conclusion. Regardless, I think this book is a must read. You know, it's predominantly written, resonates, even the cover kind of speaks to women. Um, and a lot of Glennon's work is done in the women arena, arena, women, women arena. But I, I believe that there are certain components of this that the way she shares her story would be game changing for men. And I also think, you know, in a world, and I actually just got done having a uh, Zoom podcast interview planning call for a guest that's coming up in the fall. And we were talking about the hashtag MeToo movement. Um, and I think, you know, and, and talking about the outcomes of that movement, that's still very active. Though I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that the world uh, of hashtag me too is a hundred percent resolved that we don't have any other further healing work to do there. Uh, Cause it's still a fully loaded issue. However, there is transformation that occurred from that movement and the way that it kind of um, came to the forefront. Uh, I knew that uh, I noticed that transformation within myself. You know, one of the powerful things about the hashtag me too movement was that all women have a story. Um, and it was interesting because it threw me into places with dialogues with men who, um, truthfully do not believe every woman has a story. Every woman has a story. Most have stories. Um, and even myself included, you know, when it first came forth, you were hearing these really horrific terrifying stories um, that I would not wish upon anybody. But as the layers started to peel back and people talking about their experiences that were still traumatic and not discounting them and putting them in that space, it made me revisit some things that um, I thought were absolutely vital for me to grow and to have conversations and to recognize that things happen um, and mine were never on that level of what was experienced um, by that first round of women that came forth and several other women that came forth sharing these absolutely awful um, stories and experiences. Um, but even I shared some, I shared at least one in my very first book, From Heart to Heart. Um, and I will tell you that it's incredibly moving to hear people come up and talk about how that story resonates with them because it's so similar to something that they went through. Um, so anyways, I say all of that. Uh, I don't know why I say all that. I just went on some random tangent. Now I can't bring it back. Uh, I'll just have to leave it there and trust that I went on that tangent and the full circle will come back when it is supposed to come back. Um, yeah. Okay, let's dive in. Let's dive in to my three takeaways for the end of this book. And in true fashion, as you've seen the evolution as I've gone through this book, I've slowly started to combine passages because there's just so much in here. Glennon, if you ever listen to this episode or any episodes, thank you so much. You are a true artiste with your words um and i i hope many 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 uh 
witness and pay respect to this work by by reading it or at least listening it through audible you know if you don't like to read listen on audible it's just like a podcast all right so we're going to jump to a chapter called deliveries which is on page 264 and just for reference uh, so that you know this section that i was going through was pages 258 to 328 for this episode and in the process, I just totally lost my page. So now I'm turning, 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 turning. All right, here we go. So a chapter called Deliveries. And here's this passage that I highlighted. My anger at my ex-husband was a relentless doorbell trying to alert me that a major boundary of mine had been crossed. Uh, and before I process this, I want to just link in another passage, which is on 273. Doo -doo -doo. On 273, she says, and this is the next chapter, which is called Invaders. When I began recovery, I thought that my problem was that I ate, drank, and drugged too much. I learned that overeating, drinking, and drugging were actually not my problems. They were my ineffective solutions. My actual problem problems are clinical depression and anxiety. So these two passages uh, speak to probably two of the greatest takeaways that I've had in the past year in regards to my personal growth, my personal journey, my personal wellness. Um, number one is the impact of emotions that we feel. Uh, I think I've shared in enough blog posts, podcast episodes, um, Work Love Wednesdays, uh, in the book, I've talked about that as a child, I cried a lot. Not just like cried, I had like ugly, ugly, ugly girl cry. And um, at the root of that was never really explored because I was so caught up in the fact that crying meant that I was weak and I was so angry at myself uh, that I suppressed it. I also, as I've started to unpack emotions, particularly anger, so anytime somebody talks about anger, I really pay attention because number one, I did not think that I was an angry person, but I was someone that was holding on to a lot of anger. I've also been someone who's encountered a lot of anger um, and that takes a toll. Um, on top of that, these, uh, you know, my coping strategies, my ineffective solutions are not the same as Glennon um, completely. So I did not do drugs, but I definitely did drink and I definitely did eat uh, my way to be a solution. You know, there's a reason why we call it comfort food. It brings us back into our comfort zone. Um, emotions bubble up to the surface as a sign or signal from our body that we need to pay attention to something else or something else that is beneath the surface. There is something else that is the root. Um, and I think that is what I really, uh, once again, it just, what I've, I've been processing all of this from so many different resources and to hear Glennon say it uh, just provides that gentle kind of affirmation that you need. 
a lot of the times the conclusions that I'm making, the decisions I'm making in regards to my growth come from a blend of multiple resources. So very rarely am I down a path and I'm like, oh, my Qigong textbook says this, or this diet says that, or this nutritionist or personal trainer or my life coach or my business coach. It's actually a blend of all of them. And in fact, I look for the synchronicities, so the things that are standing out. So it's not even that they all are saying the same thing that's common. It's usually like the thing that stands out. So they might all say, like, for example, gluten, 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 gluten. I, that's what I hear. That's what I hear everywhere and everything. That's what jumps off the page and everything that I read. And then I start to process and think, maybe I should be reexamining my relationship with gluten. Um, right now, I'll be honest with you, it's sugar. And I'm trying to ignore it because I love sugar. Um, but I feel like that is something that really, truly does not serve me um, or needs to serve me in a balanced approach. And I'm probably a little unbalanced because I still like to reach for baked goods, even though my taste buds are changing and they don't, they don't satisfy the way that they used to. Um, anyways, that's a whole nother story. But I say all this because we like to suppress our emotions. Uh, we like to make, find a way to move them past as quickly as possible. We don't really move and process them quickly especially if it's an attention, intense emotion. They basically embed and dive deeper and they become suppressed and they become something that is feeding whatever the root cause of it is. And so, you know, years ago, I was working with therapists and he says all the time, you just got to go get curious. And so every time that you feel something, um, and I maybe I'm a little obsessive about this, but every time that I feel something, I get curious about it. Why am I angry? Am I angry? Um, why am I eating this? Uh, you know, it, as you slowly start to pay more attention to your behaviors, you become aware of <laughs> when you're reaching for things as a solution rather than a nutritionist. Uh, resource. So there's a reason why we get in line at McDonald's to get some fast food rather than eating our packed lunch. And I know that I'm the same way. I can have a really challenging day. I can have a meeting that really drains my energy. And I don't want my nutritious lunch. I'm seeking out comfort because I don't want to feel. Uh, and depending on the situation, like I've worked with uh, clients that when I'm finished, I feel sad. I feel angry. I've definitely left client situations where I've been angry because maybe they're not doing the work to reach the potential. And that's, that's a constant frustration that I have. Um, I guess if you want to talk about gift of sight, I can typically often see the potential that someone possesses. And it really, really like, it's one of my pet peeves when I know the potential and they can't get past, or I shouldn't say can't get past, they're choosing not to let go of their current state of comfort to get to this beautiful, beautiful place where they can be of service. Um, so yeah, so thinking about root cause and recognizing emotions as signs to pay attention. All right, let's move to, let's move on. Let's move on to 278. We're still hanging out in Invaders. And there's two passages here. 
So let's read the first one. Um, remember those Staples commercials from a few years ago? A group of people in an office would get stressed about something, and a red easy button would appear out of nowhere. Someone would press that button, and the whole office would be transported out of their stress into a pain-free place. Easy buttons are the things that appear in front of us that we want to reach for because they temporarily take us out of our pain and stress. So this passage is a nice transition from what I was just talking about using food, using drinking, uh, using those ineffective solutions because we're not getting curious about the actual root cause that's beneath the surface. But what I think is um, really special about this passage is when we talk about easy buttons, this exact kind of idea has been really forefront for me right now. Um, particularly in regards to my professional work. So the work that I do, um, I've totally, I've created it um, where I want to be vulnerable. I want to be real. Um, I serve as the initial guinea pig for all of the work that I do. Uh, I try to, I shouldn't say I try, I am brutally honest in the messiness of whatever is happening in my life. However, um, as you get momentum and you move and you kind of know your path and your purpose, which I don't 100% have that clear, but I have a pretty good idea. I at least know what direction I'm heading in. So let's say that I'm kind of jogging. As you're jogging in that direction, if you get a steady momentum, things become uncomfortable fairly frequently. Um, and as you get closer, like, so you move out of your comfort zone and you're continuing on your path, you can feel the discomfort coming of the next wave of evolution, evolution and personal growth. For me, um, that has been happening, uh, in particular with writing this next book. Uh, it's out with beta readers whose whole job is to provide me feedback on if they like it or not like it, I can tell you that I've been very stressed about it, not because my beta readers have done anything, uh, but because, you, you know, you, you write for months and you create this draft and you're proud of it and you're happy of it. You do the edit of reading it through saying, yes, this is what I want to put out to the world. That's a completely different ball game than actually putting it out to the world. This is six people who are kind of a protective bubble. They're people that I know, that I trust, that I know care about me and whatever criticism they're going to give is not with a malicious intent. Um, it's still really scary. Um, and then, so when things get scary, the universe will pop up easy buttons. Um, and I... <laughs> I believe this is because none of us are meant to take deep dives into the depths of discomfort and get lost. And if you feel overwhelmed and you need to kind of pause for a moment, you can do that um, without having to pick those ineffective solutions. The universe is going to provide an easy button, a place to like a rest stop on your path. 
The thing about these rest stops, and I've been on them for much of my life because I pick them because I get uncomfortable and then I hit that easy button and I go to this rest stop, which a lot of them are usually positions or jobs um, or projects that I'm not really passionate about or I am passionate about, but they're not 100% aligned with my path. Um, When I come down at the end of it, I'm usually very frustrated with myself because I didn't sustain the momentum of that initial path. Um, And I also think that there's a component of this to uh, validate our readiness and level of trust. So I think the universe sometimes is testing to see, do you truly trust to be able to handle what's coming at that next evolution? Or do you need to have a detour or to take the long way about to get over there? Um, and so that's definitely been my current journey. So I, I, the beta readers have the book for about two weeks. That means that's two weeks of me doing stuff for the book, but not heavily invest in the book, not pushing that timeline. During that two, two weeks, there have been um, at least five or six opportunities coming around the edges that are kind of entertaining but I've really been challenged to ask myself, are these aligned with my path? Are these rest stops? Are these me hitting the easy button? And really trying to think those through. And I don't, I don't know. There's a couple of them that I'm really psyched about and excited about, but I don't know if they're 100% aligned. I also don't know if they are um, rest stops along my path. And so I've continued to kind of explore and look into them more. Um, and so this is not to say, say no to new opportunities. This is about when you gain more clarity about the direction that you want to be mindful of these rest stops. And if you choose to take one, there's no shame. There's nothing wrong with it. It's an awareness of you choosing to slow down. And I don't think it's a horrible thing because I think in our world, we want to charge and get to it. And I know I get like that. And so I'm even questioning, you know, I used to do these these rest stops or these pause areas. Uh, I used to hit the easy button, but it was totally without intention. It was me running away from fear. I don't think that I'm afraid, um, but maybe I am. And that's that's the question that you have to consistently kind of check in on is, are you afraid? And if you're running away because you're afraid, then maybe this is not the answer. You know, using the simplistic guidance that we're looking to be aligned with love, which is the highest vibration that is out there. Um, Love for yourself, love for people, love for the world. And if anything's going to take you out of that vibration, which is fear, it's always fear. Everything's rooted in fear. Even when we talk about anger, sadness, you know, all those emotions, we're going to process it down. When they're coming through a negative filter, it's fear that's sitting there. Um, And when you process those emotions from a place of love, those emotions turn into these really beautiful things. Um, but, But questioning that. You know, why am I deciding? Am I afraid? Am I running away? And is this the path that I choose? You have a choice and you get to choose. And my whole thing is just to choose intentionally. The other piece here is on 284. It's in a chapter called Comfort Zones. 
Glennon, I used to love your writing so much when you talked about your pain and how hard life was. I felt so comforted, but lately with your new life, you seem different. I have to be honest, I am finding you harder and harder to relate to. So, um, I remember I used to way, way, way back when I used to write songs, song lyrics and melodies in my head. Um, when I would share them with people, um, I got feedback one time that the songs that I wrote when I was really, really sad, when I was experiencing large amounts of pain were good. When I was happy, they sucked. Um, and I think there's something to speak to the fact that when it comes to pain, there's many of us that are experiencing it. Um, and often when we're in pain, we're looking for others who relate to it. And so therefore, if you're expressing your pain, people are going to relate to that. When we get to a place where we're lighter, when we start to transform, when we start to awaken, we start aligning ourselves with love and we start experiencing joy. Joy is a couple steps above happiness, and it's hard for people to relate to joy. In fact, it's hard for many to decipher between joy and happiness. We use them interchangeably in our culture. Joy is a whole nother elevation. It's another way of life. It is almost a love for life put into action is joy. It's light. Um, and doesn't mean that life is not challenging, doesn't mean that there's not pain, but you definitely process it differently. And so this, this passage here speaks to an evolution and a growth that you are encountering and recognizing that others might not understand. And so when we go back to the other one with the easy buttons, sometimes the easy buttons are people presenting opportunities, like come work with me, why don't you do this? Um, and we get caught up in that whole kind of piece. But recognizing that there's also a desire for people to bring you to a place where they can relate to you. And when you're running or you're jogging steadily, having momentum on that path, they may love the path that you're on, but they may be struggling to understand how they relate to that and where they're at. Um, you know, when you work in professional development, personal development, transformation, you're always working on yourself. Like that's, that's my, that's my lifestyle. Always working on myself, always trying to figure it out. Um, so as I grow, um, part of my job, what I do every day is trying to go back and make these tools and things relatable. Um, and sometimes, and more so now, I started talking about things that I've lived through, that I've grown through, uh, and they're not necessarily the ones that I'm going through right now, but um, those are relatable because we all have similar kind of bumps in the road as we're going through transformation. And as you keep going, you will find other like-minded people who you will resonate with who have similar bumps on the road that are at this joyous level, kind of what's hinted at in this passage that this woman is, when she's stating to Glennon and how she's struggling to relate, 
Um, you know, it's all about, and this is a whole nother podcast, we're talking about this energetic stagnation versus energy and momentum moving. Um, there's different levels there and being mindful of that. So I wanted to throw that dynamic in there at play is where people are at when they're presenting the easy buttons. And also it's another really cool way of checking in where you're at. You know, there's one thing when we're living in our pain, uh, when we're living in it versus using it to grow. So I can say that I spent a lot of time going back to my pain that I've experienced throughout different experiences in my life because where there is pain, where there is heartache, there is growth. My first love in high school, I mean, I processed that for so many, 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 many years. I can't say that I, I won't lie and say I don't go back to it sometimes uh, because in that heartache, in that breakup, there was so much that I had the opportunity to learn about myself. Um, and in heartbreak, like when you're dumped, because I was totally dumped and it happened out of the blue, I didn't, I kind of knew it was coming. Like you always kind of know. Um, but when you don't have control over that, you're immersed into this opportunity to grow. And sometimes I think those events come at moments in our life where we need to grow. Uh, and the universe is like, well, I'm going to deliver and it's going to be painful, but you need it. So here it comes. All right. So I want to end with one final takeaway. And there's three of these that go together. Um, so I'm going to read these three and then I will talk about them. So the first one is 296. And this is in the chapter called Luckies. The passage is, it's true, we are terribly lucky. It is also true that we imagined this life before it existed, and then we each gave up everything for the one, one in a million chance that we might be able to build it together. We did not fall into this world we have now, we made it. I'll tell you this, the braver I am, the luckier I get. Um, and that was Glennon in reference to her and her wife, Abby. And then I want to read from page 299 in the next chapter called Buzzes. Still talking about her relationship with Abby. After a few months, I noticed, I started noticing that our love shrooms started wearing off. I started to see Abby as separate from me. And I started to feel myself becoming normal again. That was a tragedy for me because I thought that she was the thing that had finally saved me from having to be myself. I thought I could just be us forever. She was right. I did panic. I did panic. Mostly though, oh, carry on. This is the next page 301. Mostly, though, we're separate colors. This is a beautiful thing because we can really see each other. I have decided that I want to be in love with a person, not a feeling. I want to be found in love, not lost in it. I'd rather exist than disappear. 
I'm going to be midnight forever. That's perfect. And just some context about that. She talks about, um, she puts a poem in here called Colors, where she talks about her wife being a pearl white and her being a midnight blue. When they come together, they create a sky blue. And so when she talks about mostly, though, we're separate colors, that's what she's referring to. So I want to close with these three passages, and I want to share something with all of you, uh, which is not, it's not a deep, dark secret. It's in the new book, so, uh, and it's not a spoiler, because that's not why you should buy my books to find out about my relationship status. Um, but uh, at the beginning of this year, my husband and I separated uh, for about a month, um, and it was pretty earth shattering to be to say the least why we separated um which is probably i'm mostly an open book this is one of those things that when you have an intimate relationship with someone it's not just your story to tell it's a story from both sides um but i hope that you can trust me and know that i'm real and honest with you and that this is not fluff but uh, the reason why we separated is because we were lost in love. And when we're lost in love, we are unable to find ourselves. And therefore, we can't be the person we're meant to be or the person we want to be. Um, and that's incredibly unfair to the other person because they can't even have you because you don't know who you are. Uh, and then on the flip side, it's awful to know that you're holding somebody in a relationship that love exists but they're lost in it and so they've lost all sense of identity um, and I can share that uh, that was mutual we were both lost in love and we have functioned that way for 10 years um, and actually five years ago because this is in the first book we hit a bump in the road uh, similar and we didn't fully understand it um, I think that bump was to tell us that there was something off and when we went into therapy back then, the therapy sessions were less about us working together and more so about who we were as separate people. Um, and that is what happened here. During the separation, it gave me a chance to see who I was without him and who he was without me. Um, and I can tell you that during the separation, after the initial kind of fallout. I was given the incredible gift to fall in love with my husband again and to experience some of the things that Glennon shares in her book. Um, and you can tell this is these are real life lessons that I'm learning right now. This is the evolution that I'm going through. Um, and I was falling in love with him even before we were thinking about reconciling. Um, just watching him grow and find himself. Um, and I would like to say I want to believe that the feelings were mutual, but I'm not going to speak for him. Uh, when we reconciled or attempted to come back together, um, that's when COVID-19 hit and we went into a quarantine. In fact, it was kind of, I would say, would the decision have been made slower if we knew that there was a chance that we would be isolated? I don't know. So he literally got moved back in the week that um, our 
our area shut down and we all had to be at home. We got to live in this real bubble. Um, and uh, at first it was like that honeymoon phase, which I hadn't experienced obviously for a very long time. I mean, we've been together for close to 15, 16 years. And, um, and then it started to fade and I started to freak out. Uh, and it wasn't a fade. It was a transition. We became from this intertwined of each other, having to come apart, um, and be those people and be able to know who we are in the love together. And that has been the work that we have been doing. I sh have shared this lesson since I wrote the first book. You know, one of the, the biggest things that I've learned in regards to marriage, um, and I wish people would tell you this, when you get married, forever is not guaranteed. Um, you have to work at it every single day. Just because you put a ring on it doesn't mean that, that person is yours forever. And you still have to live life. You still have to grow. You still have dreams and ambitions and things that will change. Um, and so it really is this beautiful dance to maintain this strong, intimate relationship. Uh, that's hard. It's hard because you got to do that on top of everything else. If you've got kids or a job or whatever else is happening in your life. But that is marriage. It takes work and it's hard work. Um, but yeah, I wanted to share that with you um, because my separation is made my marriage stronger than it ever was before. I feel more like me than I ever have been before. And I feel like I actually have a chance to be myself and show up and do the work that I'm doing. And I think that the book that's coming out, that the work and the branding we've been doing, the way that I've been able to come back on this podcast, because this came back about in that same month or so, all of that is possible because we loved each other enough to make a decision to make sure that we could find who we were and not just be lost in this weird mixture of us. And I wanted to share that because I think there is a, and I saw this when we separated, there were people who just believed that our life was perfect without flaws in our relationship and every relationship takes work it doesn't mean that we're not happy it doesn't mean that we didn't have good times it doesn't mean that we didn't love each other um but every relationship takes work and uh, i always ride the line cautiously about knowing that we live in a pretty small community so people know about my husband. It's not unlikely that we attend events together. So you're somewhat, uh, there's a public aspect to your marriage. And that's for many of us. Many of us in the area who network naturally. I mean, Mary Rose talks about it all the time. Chad, when he's there, there, you know, there becomes this um, personality that's associated with the couple. Uh, and so it 
it was amazing to me when we separated. There's not very many people who knew. But the people that didn't know, you could see the reality of whatever <laughs> picture they had painted in their mind about our marriage. Um, I can honestly say to you that there's probably no one who knows me um, as well as Josh does. The only other person who probably gets close in the vicinity is Mary Rose. Uh, the two of them have seen the good, the bad, and the horribly ugly. Um, those relationships are extremely intimate, they're personal, and they're not meant to be fully exposed. But I want to make sure that if you need to hear it and know, no relationship is perfect. Every single one of them takes work. And sometimes that work means being apart. Sometimes that work means being together. Sometimes that work means not being together. And Josh and I are 100% committed and always have been that if our relationship is not what's best for the other person, we will let it go. And we want to make sure that our children have a model of love that is encompassing wanting the absolute best for the other. So, yeah. So I wanted, I, yeah, there it is. It's out there. So those of you who are my listeners will know this secret. And it's not a secret. It's just not something that I air my dirty laundry. But I personally um, found the closing of this book exactly what I needed. Number one, because I've been trying to learn the lesson of because I don't feel those warm, fuzzy feelings anymore and I'm not lost in this feeling of falling in love with my husband again for a second time and we're starting to come to this new normal as we're evolving in whatever post-COVID aftermath, um, which is not even post-COVID because it's coming back. And But as we've slowly started to be unquarantined, I've had to sit with emotions of feeling like are we slipping back are we you know all of these things and Glennon her and uh, her sharing her experience with Abby was what I needed to know that this is all part of the relationship process it doesn't mean that we're not doing the work it doesn't mean that there's not love there Um, and that's hard when it's hitting with those really intimate relationships anything that hits at home is hard and there's not very many people that you want to talk to about it Um, and especially when you just had a separation not too long ago you don't want to you don't want people to think that you're in trouble again and I think that's the common cultural response is to assume the worst and I'm here to say that you know it's a it's a dynamic between two people to keep working and choosing each other every single day. And there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be ugly days. And if you wake up each day and say, I choose you, it's going to be okay. And usually the ugly and the bad are going to make you stronger. And the good are going to be ridiculously fun. 
So that's it. Those are my takeaways as closing out the Untamed by Glennon Doyle book, the final book in our chapter chats series. I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this ride. I know these last two episodes, there was just so much there that I wanted to share with you. So we went a little longer than my 30 minute goal. Um, But thank you for sticking it out. I hope that this was of service to you um, and gave you what you needed at this time, whatever that may be. And last but not least, so next week I have a gift for you. So I've already talked a couple times about From Heart to Heart. If you don't have it, that's okay. Because if you're listening to the podcast next week, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to read you from heart to heart over in the next two weeks. Every single day an episode's going to drop. I'm going to read 10 pages a day. Um, just like what the Chapter Chats podcast uh, book club was promoting is getting a book and reading 10 pages a day. That's why we're doing seven pages a week. From Heart to Heart is a short book, so we're going to be done in two weeks of 14 episodes. But every day, you're going to see a new episode drop, and uh, yours truly will share that book with you. I have to say that it was uh, quite quite enlightening <laughs> to revisit a book that I wrote five, not five years ago, two years ago. Two years ago. Um, so I... I feel like I'm light years um, in a different place than where I was when I wrote From Heart to Heart. But it's been very interesting to read that after just being finished editing the HR Intuitive, which is getting ready to come out in September. So I hope you enjoy From Heart to Heart next week. And then I will be back following From Heart to Heart with a whole whole slew of guests uh, that I want to share with you this fall on all kinds of topics. I'm in the process of interviewing all of them now. These episodes you're not going to want to miss. It's going to be fantastic fall programming. So have a great day and I will talk to you next week as we have story time. See ya.